0: Do you want to read Manwa? Well, you came to the right place. Welcome to the fourth episode of So Do You Want to Read Manwa, a podcast centered on Korean entertainment, mainly Manwa and their novel or drama correlations. In this episode, we'll be talking about The Remarried Empress. My name is Amber, and I'll be your host along with my friend, Marion.
1: Hello. So,
0: Before we dive into The Remarried Empress, uh, we're going to do our second edition of catching up on some of our recent weekly reads so, Marion, what have you been hooked on lately?
1: Um, actually, I went back to one of these series that I started, like, a year ago. And I just I let the chapters build up because I caught up very early. Um, it's called Maybe Meant to Be. It's a rom-com on, on the Webtoon app, Webtoon Capital W. <laughs> and, and yeah, when I first caught up, it was, like, a, maybe, like, a year ago. And it was, like, on, like, chapter 20 or 15 or something. And now it's on, like, or episode 74. And it's just, it's really funny. It's cute. It's a rom-com and set in like modern day where I can just read the description. Jia Han, a 32-year-old freelancer with no work, is tired of her parents nagging her to get married and finally move out. When she runs into her childhood friend, Minchol Jin, who is also feeling the same pressure from his parents, she blurts out that they should just get married to solve both of their problems. (laughs) Little did she know he'd accept her suggestion and suddenly she finds herself thrust into marriage. A story of an unexpected romance that will have you scrolling for more. And it's totally true. Um, The creator's name is uh, Honey Skane. And they say, hello, I am Honey Skane, the writer of Maybe Meant to Be. I love webcomics and dramas, especially sweet romance and comedy. I may just be a shy novice writer without social media, but I will strive to share sweet stories with you. May your future be filled with sweetness. Thank you. And then the artist is called Damcho. And they say, Hello, I am Dancho, artist of Maybe Meant to Be. I'm honored to meet you through the series. Although I may also be a shy creator without any social media, as a reader who loves warm, sweet stories, I am always working hard to satisfy our readers. So we ask for your support. Thank you. And yeah, it's just a very sweet story. Um, I wouldn't call it saccharine. Like, but it's it's very cute. The chemistry between Minchol and... It's it's very sweet. Uh, They've known each other since like pre K, I think, and they kind of always banter. Gia is the is the more like tomboyish type, and uh, Mitchell is very nerdy, but he's also like there was a comment that Gia told him back in like middle school or whatever, where she's like, "You're so nerdy and scrawny or or whatever. You're not that manly at all." And he kind of took it to heart, and well, when he grew up, he started working out more. Uh, so his hobbies are basically just gaming and going to the gym. So there are moments where they're trying to bond and like get to know each other better. And he's just like, oh, you want to know what I'm into? Uh, Sure. You want to spend the day with me? All right, let's go to the gym. And then let's do leg day. Because leg day is very important. You can't skip that. And she's just like, uh, what? <laughs> I mean, sure, I guess. And then she's just wiped out and everything. Uh, It's, it's very cute. I, I really appreciate that. Uh, it's kind of also a little bit of a slow burn where they actually do fall in love and we get to see scenes of them trying to convince their families that they really are married for like love and shit even though <laughs> it was more like a, like a spur of the moment thing so that they'd get off their backs but it's cute. Eventually when they do start flirting and stuff uh, there's a small arc where Mitchell's mom comes to visit and she stays over for like a couple nights and this is around the time where they're actually kind of getting into each other and, like, they treat each other nicely and try to, like, flirt and stuff, but they're still awkward at it because they never really dated uh, seriously, like, before this. And also, they don't really have ex- that much experience with the other gender. So, like, I know Gia has had, like, one or two boyfriends before, but they never really went anywhere. They're both virgins and, like, and they're both, like, I think 27 or 28, so... Being around like, a similar age as me, it's also fun to see. Because I'm getting older, and I do like having uh, protagonists who are not in high school.
0: <laughs> I have I mean, to ask, in that, in that description, you said it'll leave you scrolling for more. Is that literally in the description?
1: Yeah, it is. It is. It, I, that's I a, love that they like, that like, the embrace app. that. <laughs> they do, and they should. Because that is literally the appeal. Especially on the web to nav, uh, you can go to the next chapter by just continuing to scroll like just pick it up and go up as opposed to i think on tapas you can do that on android but not on the iphone i believe they make you swipe to the side but eh, whatever embrace the medium we love to see it
0: yeah oh i
1: actually i forgot to mention this actually got promoted at anime expo when i went back july 4th weekend and Mm -hmm. at webtoons booth webtoon Capital W. I'm never going to stop saying that now <laughs> at their, their booth in the venue. They actually had like a collab with McDonald's and they had a bunch of characters from a bunch of their, like what's in originals just like cosplaying as like McDonald's workers and stuff. But they also had uh, like posters and like different series. One of them I, re- I recognized as Minchol from maybe meant to V And I was like, Oh, that's really cool. I I know that series. I didn't realize that it was like, I guess important enough for them to to promote like that, but I'm glad it is because the art is really nice. It's really pretty, and also something I can appreciate is that it's really colorful. A lot of series that come out usually either they tend to skew like a certain direction. Like either if it's like super serious, it'll be like dark and gritty, or if it's a comedy, it's like it's colorful. But sometimes you'll see like a lot of pastels, but this one is is more saturated colors i would say and it doesn't feel it's just nice on the eyes is what i would say
0: it's funny that you mentioned that they had like a a mcdonald's crossover at anime expo that just reminds me of the like the as featured in menu that they're doing right now or at least in the past couple weeks because like Uh there was a few different i think it was like a couple different anime things that had popped up in that as featured thing like the the Devil's a Part Timer, I think, had like a feature in that, oh, yeah. and I like. I'm surprised they didn't just like list some of those mono appearances if they did a crossover that way.
1: Yeah, that's cool. That's cute. I like that, especially because you know McDonald's has or most fast food chains when in other countries they all have their own unique menus and stuff. So it's cool if they can incorporate that in their uh, international campaign.
0: Did you get the like overall vibe that it was like well received at Anime Expo?
1: Um, I actually didn't get to spend that much time at the booth, but I did see, like, good buzz about it. Like, people were, a lot of people were, like, commenting around, like, like, oh, those designs look really nice. And that guy looks really handsome. <laughs> and I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, that's my dude. Because um, I remember it was, like, a pretty decent, like, split between characters. Like, some of them were, I think, like, original English series, and some of them were Korean, and some of them were also, like guys some more girls and I think Mitchell was just like the one guy on one side or whatever and there, I think there were two different kinds of like spreads one of them had uh Mitchell with his glasses and one of them had him in like his handsome mode where he was like dressing up for Gia and I'm like oh that's cute this is something more current so I remember hearing some girls point out that like oh is that that guy with glasses is that also him without the glasses and I'm like yeah (laughs) it is
0: do they use the phrase handsome mode in the series, or is that just a made term? No, I
1: made that up. Made that up.
0: <laughs> okay, okay. That would be really fun if they also used it, though.
1: Mm-hmm. They do have, like, uh, little quips and stuff, like, like similar to that, because Gia is, like, a modern, like, a millennial, basically, but she's more, like, in the know than Mitchell. Mitchell was pretty, I wouldn't say, like, closed off, but he, he's not really on the grid like that.
0: All right, well, cool. Is there any other series you wanted to talk
1: about? Um, off the top of my head, not really. Sure. I've been like, I've been pretty busy, and like, there's stuff that I like, I'll read and catch up, but then I haven't really had time to really think about most of them, especially like the ones that I have a couple that like I just I read every week no matter what, but I haven't really had time to digest, even though some of them have been, had some really big arcs.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, I've got two that I want to share. Um, They're both from Manta, but the Uh first one is, of course, our favorite genre, Romanticy, but it's also a thriller. Um, So it is Winter Wolf, written by Cheong Yang, illustrated by Sun Mu with the original story by Ruby Che. So the basic summary is that noblewoman Lysithia loses her family, and goes on the run as her life is threatened from a revolt and hires a broker to smuggle her out of the kingdom named Terran. Uh, a heavy winter storm traps the two of them together in an abandoned mansion with danger lurking around every corner. Uh, season 1 just ended about like a, a week or two ago now, but I'm definitely really interested to see where it goes from here because there was a lot of really crazy stuff that happened in that first season.
1: Nice. Lyfithia is an interesting name. It reminds me of Fire em-
0: yeah, it's it's definitely unique compared to like a lot of the different names I see um across different series. So I was I was a little intrigued. And her hair is so bright, vibrant red and long that it's very eye-catching. Nice. And they make uh Taryn's eyes like look very much like a hawk or an eagle with a bright yellow. So that's also Ooh. very vibrant.
1: Maybe like maybe they're like one piece.
0: <laughs> yeah, Meehawks. maybe it, it kinda is like Mihawk's eyes, actually. It doesn't nice. have, like, the little circle, but, like, the color and the shape is very similar. Nice. Uh, the other one, I wanted to, to mix it up a bit because I talk about Romanticese so often. Um So mm-hmm. this is a very new one that I just started reading, like, a week ago. Uh, it's called The Cook's Hidden Blessing, and it's written and illustrated by Nanyam with the original story by Kim jong ji So it's a cooking comedy, <laughs> and... <laughs> Uh, basically, an aspiring cook at a local university hospital works with the weakened Roman goddess of agriculture, Ceres, um, in a way that his life and the lives of his patients are forever changed. Um, it's still a very new series, like I said. There's only about 20 or so episodes um, out mm-hmm. so far, so it's still ongoing and interesting as it is. I'm, I'm excited to see where it goes, but it doesn't catch me quite as much as like a lot of my weekly reads, but it is definitely very different than what I normally read for all my other series and what's usually available on Manta as well.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, the premise sounds really unique. Just yeah. from that, I would give it a shot. And yeah. I'm not, I'm not also not, I'm also not averse to recommending stuff. That's like pretty, I guess like young in its publication history. <laughs> like at, at uh devs panel, I brought up one that was only like 15 chapters.
0: What I like about um, like recommending new series is just that it like, There's not as much to catch up on, so it's not as daunting to just give it a shot. Like, for example, the Remarried Empress that we're reading today, for somebody just walking into it, it's 145 episodes. And so they're like, oh, where do I begin? Or like, I don't know if I'm going to get through all that. They will. But uh, (laughs) yeah, you'll be hooked at episode one. It's fine. But I mean, at least like with a newer series, you can catch up really quickly if you are interested in it. You don't have to feel like it's a huge time investment of course
1: and that's also the benefit of being able to read these kind of series like at your leisure and as as opposed to like the reason I prefer uh reading a manga or a manhwa as opposed to like normally like watching an adaptation or whatever is because like I can read at my own pace I don't have to sit through an entire episode and dedicate like a 25 minute or one hour block of my time just to like sit through an episode
0: yeah absolutely I know, like, anytime... Uh, we were just talking about One Piece before we started today. Anytime I talk to anyone about One Piece, they not the live action, but just whether it's the book or the anime, they're like, nope, can't do it. It's too long.
1: Well, <laughs> One thousand? Maybe not.
0: <laughs> Maybe it's not for me. But, you know, if you just get through the first 20 or so episodes, <laughs> you'll be hooked. <laughs> so,
1: yeah. What yeah. I say is that, like, it's it's never a race to begin with. Like, the whole point of... uh you know enjoying the journey is that like you could like what i'm saying you could read at your pace or watch at your pace like it's, no one wants you to catch up yeah. by, to like episode 1000 in like a week you got stuff to, or even a year to, to, yeah right you got uh, time to enjoy it part of it is just like it's been like what like 25 years since it started and like you have time
0: it's joining the journey.
1: maybe maybe if you take your time by the time you catch up it'll end
0: you won't hate it if you, like, force yourself to get through so much at once, you know?
1: Exactly. Right, right.
0: All right. Well, now that uh, everyone's heard a little bit more about some other interesting stories, uh, let's get into what we're actually here for today. The Remarried Empress. Um, so The Remarried Empress is adapted by Heer Lee with art by Sumpool, Pool, And the original story is by Alpha Tart. This series is still ongoing in season three at 145 episodes, with new episodes currently releasing on Webtoon on Sundays. For those who want to collect the series digitally, uh, or physically, volumes one through four are currently available from Ice Press. And it's also available on Webtoon with capital W by the original author Alpha Tart. Or sorry, also available on there is her other or I don't know if it's a her there, other series. Um, Men of the Harem, which I'm told Marion has read. I have not read it yet, but I'm very tempted to now.
1: Oh yeah, like I was, I caught up to Remarried Empress, I believe, by the end of season one, or was it like, it might have been like at the end of season one, or like midway, or like a little bit into season two. But uh, yeah, I was like, I love the way the author is like handling this. I wonder if they got anything else. And lo and behold, they they had another series on webtoon. So I was like, oh the art looks nice. It's about a reverse harem? Why not? Sign me up. And then yeah, I mean it is I wanna say more of the same because uh the tone is a lot different. I would say this one is more serious. Uh not that Remarried Empress isn't serious, but like I would say there's a lot more like stakes. Uh there's a little bit of fantasy involved and also like danger, I guess, for uh the political implications between the, the characters. Basically, the queen or empress of this one country or this empire, she originally wasn't really meant to inherit the throne, but she kind of seized it. And there are implications to that because a lot of people didn't really think that like a, a woman is capable of ruling or whatever. And she's just like, yeah, okay, I'll shut you up. And like her policies like bring a lot of prosperity and everything. But everyone is just like... Yeah, you're a great ruler, but if you're working all the time, uh, where are we going to get heirs to, like, continue the empire? And she's just like, all right, say less. I'm going to build a harem and, and get all of these suitors come. She's like, oh, you want to send your, your sons to me to bring an heir? All right, I have, like, five positions to fill up. Let's let's interview them. Let's see, like, who's worth my time or whatever. And she does get, like, I think, like, five or five or six. It's like five and then one more comes up later. <laughs> but it, yeah, it's it's really entertaining. The art is also really, uh, really pretty. And yeah, I would say if you want something like Remarried Empress, you'll get more of that because there's a lot of court politics. But this one also has a little bit more bite. Uh, But it also does have like silly characters. Like one of the men in her harem is like a second prince from the neighboring empire who is like, I believe, a sibling to one of her original love interests who ends up, like, spurning her, uh, they don't really, like, get to the point of getting engaged or anything, I-, I believe, to what I can remember. But he ends up, like, breaking off their relationship because he's trying to be, like, the king or emperor of where he's from. And then that's kind of what motivates her to, like, aim for power. And it- it's funny because <laughs> I think... Uh, this guy's like little brother, or whatever. He's just like I'm, just like second choice or whatever, whatever. And and like he, but he goes and he ends up actually like falling for this girl. I forgot her name, but it, it's cute. He's like at first he he looks like he could be like a real not menace, but like he could throw like a real wrench into the empress's plans and stuff. But we find out eventually that he's just like he's so harmless. He's just like a puppy. He just like he has he's all bark and no bite. <laughs> he just wants people to pay attention to him it's cute and there's also okay spoilers but i think it's cool there's a vampire in like one of the characters that uh in her harem ends up being like a vampire and i'm just like whoa i was i wasn't expecting some supernatural shit like this but uh, it's cool i mean
0: you sold me first at reverse harem but then you added in a vampire and it's the same person as remarried empress so it's a trifecta that now i have to read there you go i did my job (laughs) way to sell it good job all right well for the remarried empress um i wanted to give just a an overview summary before we get into the the details and how we really feel about it um Uh so perfect devoted empress navi Trovi has been content to live out her days as the beloved empress of the eastern empire until one day her husband brings home a mistress and shortly thereafter demands a divorce in the titular twist, Navia remarries another soon-to-be emperor and becomes empress yet again, but of the Western Empire. This story is about how it all unfolds, both up to the remarriage and after. So, mm-hmm. Marion has been hyping this series up to me for quite a while, and I was really interested in it, like just from looking at the image, and I'm like, okay, I'll read it. It's a romance. How bad could it be? And um, like just because the like the cover art for the first physical volume wasn't catching me and maybe it's just like she looked so stern and unhappy there's a reason for that well, yeah. <laughs> um but i was hooked from the first episode and got through the whole thing in two days so
1: <laughs> two days two 140 days. Something chapters you're kind of wild days. for that
0: <laughs> well, i don't okay. think
1: i've pulled something like that
0: i started it on a friday evening like a few weeks ago or whatever it was um and then Saturday, I don't know what was even going on, but I didn't want to do anything. I was just like, no, I'm going to lay in bed and I'm going to read this all day. That's all I'm doing. Figure out your own food. I, I don't care. <laughs> like, so I was was definitely invested. But how do you feel about the series overall?
1: I love it. Honestly, it was recommended to me by Lauren Orsini, who she's an anime journalist. She writes for like a Um, Sometimes Forbes, uh, she has her own little uh, blog where it's called like Gumpla 101, where she talks about building Gumpla with her husband. And yeah, like I I trust her opinions on stuff. And back when I was tweeting about getting back into Webtoons through Webtoon capital W on the app, because I originally had picked up that app like pre-pandemic. And I used it to read this one series called Your Throne, which I'm probably going to convince Amber to read that next for... (laughs) Our next, like, shoujo-adjacent series or whatever, just because, like, I'm obsessed with that one. And Lauren told me, like, oh, if you like that one, you might really like Remarried Empress. But, uh, but yeah, so she recommended it to me, and I'm like, okay, I trust your opinions. I'll check it out. And then, like, the next day, I started Chapter 1, and I, I think I got up to, like, Chapter 50, or Episode 50, and I was just like, damn, Lauren, you were right. This is a banger. <laughs> and I, you know, like, me, I just, I really enjoy... Whenever they go into like these medieval European fantasy settings, uh, whenever they have like court politics, I just love that. I I love seeing just like people dancing politically and like whenever romance is involved, whether it's like people like falling for each other or leaving each other or like stuff coming up that just dire circumstances and shit like that. I'm just like, oh, yes, this is juicy. And it's literally just it's, it's like a novella. And I grew up watching those a lot because I'm from a Hispanic household and like everyone just watches that in the evenings. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, I liked it for very similar reasons. The whole court politics thing is something that I don't read a lot of, but when I do, I enjoy it just because I love seeing people at each other's throats and being secretive in a way that doesn't affect me at plotting.
1: all. <laughs> so. Right, right, right. You're, you're just like a bystander and then yeah. you could just like sit back with popcorn like, oh, Yeah wow what a bitch oh this guy is such an asshole but i mean he's gonna get what's coming to him
0: <laughs> that is exactly it just sit there with your giant bucket of popcorn and enjoy this show um exactly. and remarried empress is definitely it definitely puts on a show for you um i also really appreciated the or not appreciated but was surprised and delighted by the sudden inclusion of magic in the series. Um, I definitely yeah. wasn't expecting that, but I always love a, a fantasy twist into it. Because um, I thought it was just going to be like a straight up royal romance. I didn't really read mm-hmm. too much before I just started. Um, so that, that was a pleasant surprise. I wish that they would have dived into it even more than they did, but I'm still happy mm-hmm.
1: with it. Oh, to be romanced by a bird man.
0: <laughs> bird man named Queen. <laughs> yeah
1: god the dynamic between um this dude what's his name Heinrich. yeah Heinrich and uh navier is is so good (laughs) especially just because this is like the one highlight of her day he's just like oh i just want to make you feel better but almost also also, like i'm a guy not a not a girl (laughs) you can't tell a bird's gender off just looks or whatever it's funny
0: Well, and also, like, it's clear, because there's a huge age difference between them, and he hasn't really been in any relationships, he's very, and he makes it very clear at one point, just by outright saying it, that he's very inexperienced, and so when he's Mm. in his, like, queen bird form, you can see how bashful he gets about, like, any sort of physical touch, where she's just, like, petting him, or, yeah, he's just, like, like, freeze, or just, like, stone. Uh
1: Uh-huh, she she puts her hands on him, and he just, like, freezes up, (laughs) Yeah, it's so cute.
0: But, of course, we love uh, Heinrich and Navier. I'm sure we'll get into them a lot more. But we got to talk about the other main couple in the series. Oh, yeah. The one that everybody Soviet loves shit. to hate. <laughs> so Yeshu and his mistress later turned second empress, uh, Rashta, also known or, in the yeah. comment section as Soviet shit or Trashta. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love that.
0: What a pair they are. (laughs) I feel like we could spend hours just talking about how horrible they are of people just existing.
1: We could just judge them for the whole episode and we'd have enough material for like two hours.
0: Absolutely. I mentioned it to you before. I'm not going to spoil it for anyone that hasn't caught up. But the episode this past Sunday, number 145, where something happens in there. But the top comment on that episode that I really appreciated was hey, yo, I got another chair if you need it. And I, I hope that whenever you guys get to that episode, you appreciate that as much as I did. Because oh my God. I would loan another chair as well. I'm very excited.
1: I So backstory for me, I, I was telling Amber, I'm actually like, I'm just one chapter short of being caught up because I ran out of coins, but I don't have money right now. <laughs> I get paid on Friday, so I'm waiting for the paycheck and then I can... I could read that chapter and I will finally understand the context.
0: I need to know as soon as you read it. Just tell me exactly what you will, understand. I, <laughs> I think it's at the very beginning of the episode too, so.
1: Oh, okay. Perfect. You'll
0: know like practically right away. Well not practically, but like I'd say at least mm. within the first third of the episode.
1: Okay, good.
0: But anyways, so... so
1: Aren't you aren't you glad I told you to read with the, the comment section?
0: <laughs> yes. I so I didn't read the comments on every episode. I only read the comments on the special episode, Frustrating Edition. That was the one that was specifically devoted to uh, Sovietshu and Rashda. I almost said Trashka. I feel like I'm just going to start saying Trashda throughout I the mean, thing. I was trying to use her name, but let's be honest, okay. she's out, So
1: <laughs> We respect women, just not Rashda.
0: <laughs> Every woman except for her. And actually, you know, I have to admit, there was the briefest of moment, maybe like half an episode, where I actually felt bad for her. And then
1: I, did, yeah. I was
0: like, oh, you know, maybe she just really got taken advantage of in her situation. And so, yeah, she was just so enamored by her looks that he swept her up and she, like, didn't have much say in all this. That mm. was quickly subverted. That, yeah. like, no, she is a horrible human being and she deserves everything that's coming to her.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy, like, the way people get molded by their environment. Because, like, there, there were several points, honestly, where I felt like it was possible to redeem Rashta, but then she kind of just digs her hole even deeper over time because she refuses to, like, accept being humbled, and it, she, like, she takes offense even though, like, there's a, really a reason to think that you're deserving of anything, except for the fact that just Sofie like, showers you with affections, but then, like, we see where that got her, like, Anyone's affection can just turn on the the drop of a hat.
0: Yeah, there's several times where I think that maybe, you know, maybe she'll do the right thing. And then she just finds a way to either dig herself deeper or make things so much worse. And often it's with the help of uh, Duke Ergie, which I'm still very confused about how he's even friends with Heinrich and what is going to happen there. But I'm sure that it'll connect eventually.
1: Yeah, I mean... He's interesting because he gives me the vibes of, like... He's the person who plays the field, like, every field. um, And just trying to, like, make sure that he can get out of any situation, like, on top. And, like, I can kind of respect that, especially in a series like this where there's so many factions. And you never really know who's going to, like, come out on top or whatever. So you just want to make sure you're just friendly enough to not be included in the fallout with whoever loses so I, I respect him for
0: that yeah he's definitely a schemer the i can just imagine him sitting at a chessboard every time i see his face kind of puzzling how yeah. to direct rashda or trashda into whatever she's gonna do or even a, the couple conversations he has with Navier, where he makes it kind of clear that they're not on the same side mm-hmm. and I, I know i appreciate that she's very well aware that he's not to be trusted even as Henry's friend.
1: Yeah. And, like, she does owe that to, like, her upbringing. And the and the fact that, like, she's stayed on top of everything. I guess we should talk a little bit more about the setting or, like, the... the not the back... I guess the backstories of everyone. But, like, Navier, she's the Empress of the, the Eastern Empire at the start of the series. But, basically, she was, like, born and bred and, like, raised to, like, be in that position. And, like, she took all of her studies seriously... She made sure to uphold policies and make sure that the people of her empire are secure and safe and, like, happy. And without her, honestly, the empire would be falling apart because Sofie I wouldn't call him incompetent, but he is so easily swayed by other people that, like...
0: I would call him (laughs) near-incompetent.
1: Near... Yeah, (laughs) near-incompetent. He's just... I feel like, okay, so if he were by himself, I would give him maybe a month before things fall to shit. But, like, hey, that's better than, like, day one i guess
0: i mean that's kind of where the series is at at its current point is the i'd give it a month or two stage <laughs>
1: <laughs> right 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 <laughs> but um yeah basically navy run shit she is a uh, girl boss gatekeep uh gaslight except instead of gaslighting she's i don't know she's pumping the gas into <laughs> the <laughs> the tanks that is the the empire but you know what I mean she she supports commoners she makes sure that like everyone has an opportunity there's even like a commoner who has like a talent for magic that she ends up sending to school that everyone was against but she's just like if we have the resources and people who are talented why not like prop them up because they'll be useful and it's like that kind of attitude that like I really respect she's utilitarian in that aspect but not to the point of, like, discarding other people. She still has compassion, which is, like, honestly, the ideal kind of ruler. Uh, reminds me a lot, actually, of, uh, oddly enough, Reinhard von Loengram from Legend of the Galactic Heroes, where he becomes a dictator, but, like, the whole point is that he's the good kind of dictator, <laughs> where he actually, like, helps the people and uses the fact that uh, he has, like, all this power in order to improve the wealth, liveliness uh and like the opportunities that the common people have
0: yeah the way that navia carries herself throughout the series is always so consistently confident uh, other than when her life is absolutely falling to the pieces for maybe like an mm. episode um she is very poised and right wise and knowledgeable i love the the character that you mentioned that she supports the going to the magic academy. I love that Mm -hmm. she still supports her even when she's not in a normal position that she would have been to support her.
1: Right. Like even outside of the country, she finds a way to like, the people that she supports, like she's ride or die for them, basically. And that's because she has the type of education, the discerning eye to be able to tell that like, okay, these people are going to go places, they have the potential, and they're not going to skimp out on actually meeting that potential, which is, that's really hard to do, to be able to, to catch that and, like, nurture that, and you're right, like, she's always, she's so poised, she's so regal, she is, like, the definition of, like, royalty, when you look at someone and their attitude and the way that they carry themselves, especially, like, when her life is, like, kind of emotionally falling apart, she never lets it show on her face, and admittedly, like, that's the reason that Sovyeshu kind of doesn't initially like her, he thinks that she's, like, emotionless, but also, like, dude, you could just talk like a normal person and, like, ask her, like, hey, how do you feel about such and such? Can you be a little honest with me about your feelings? And she would, like, readily just engage in conversation and tell you. But, yeah, I don't know. Sylvia Shue is stupid. That's, that's the essence of Sylvia she is for stupid.
0: I like how often she just flat out would call him out on his nonsense in such a clear, oh, yeah. crystal way. So for those of you that haven't read it yet, Sovieshu and Navier were engaged as a marriage of convenience since the time they were children. And Navier comes from a family where there's been, I think it was like three or four empresses in her family. So it's something that Mm -hmm. is expected and raised within her family that this is just going to happen. I feel like Sovieshu was just kind of honestly along for the ride until he had to learn things.
1: (laughs) He's like, oh yeah, I'm the crown prince. I guess I'll do it.
0: Yeah, pretty much he was there for all like the formal education, but I feel like from reading their, their backstory that Navier went through so much more rigorous training and expectations oh. for her role. Whereas Sobieshu just kind of had like general, this is protocol, whatever. Um, right. Sobieshu does still seem to acknowledge that there's a proper way to do certain things in several situations throughout the book or not book series and it's clear that he he still cares about like the formalities of society and upholding a certain image to the point that he has to like turn down and uh, frustrate Rashta several times but he also completely throws that out the window for Rashta on several occasions as well like asking yeah. Rashta to be a guest at several things or asking navier to bless his Demon spawn.
1: (laughs) Oh, his unborn child, which is like, okay, listeners, if you're listening and you haven't read the series, how would you feel if the guy that you married ends up taking in a mistress, but like, then props her up because he got her pregnant, uh, and then asks you to like, essentially baptize it while it's still unborn, and then like, just try to act publicly happy about it. But how would you feel about that? Because and I know. And then later that adopt I, it. And then later adopt it legally so that it can become the heir. I would lose my fucking shit. I would be bursting blood vessels. Like, I would find like a magical gun or some shit. Like, just. Bah, bah, bah. <laughs> like I can't do this shit.
0: As I was reading through all of that, I just kept thinking if Soviets didn't ask for a divorce, Navier, you just should. You just should. Just get out of there. Mm-hmm. Just go. Yeah. Even if you got to live alone the rest of your days and even if you're not an empress, get out of there.
1: (laughs) Okay. So again, readers who, (laughs) who have not read the, the series, how would you feel if the same man who you just, he's incompetent. You've seen how much he doesn't care for you. And is so much more willing to prop up this other girl who on your first meeting, instead of like showing deference or like respect, she calls you sister because essentially you're like your sisters because you share the same man and I'm just like, Oh my lord. But then like, okay, this man asks to divorce you and doesn't explain that he has a plan to remarry you in a couple years or whatever. Um, because essentially what he wants is for I think his child to have legitimacy for the crown, basically. But then like he doesn't tell you. You essentially think that he's just divorcing you for real. And yeah, you just jump on it, right? You're not gonna fucking care, and then you have this other handsome man from the other side of the continent or whatever wooing you. He's younger, he's hotter, he is in love, he adores you. He would like kiss the ground you walk on. He would literally kiss your feet. You would marry him, to be right? Fair, I would that's kiss what the ground happened.
0: he walks on. So,
1: right, yeah. So that's what she does. She she marries him, and this man is so distraught. Your ex that he's, like, breaking down, he's molding, he's losing hair, and, like, (laughs) he's just like, but here. I was gonna remarry you! I still love you! Except, like, he's really only saying this out of jealousy, because it's clear that, like, he knows that Rashta is not responsible enough or talented enough to really keep his empire running. Like, your your empire is falling apart after you realize that the woman you divorced was basically the one keeping it running. This is the kind of shit the series is about.
0: <laughs> well, and the, the part that you mentioned as far as Trashto wanting to call Navier a sister, this isn't a polygamous open monarchy. This is a mistress. You are not sister wives. Like, no, cut that out right now.
1: Right. This is non-ethical.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Nobody yeah. wanted this except for issue. So. Right. Jesus. Um, but I think we should also talk about the third man that absolutely is head over heels for Navier, fan favorite for me. Uh, oh yeah, Grand Duke. Oh, Allen. the the
1: yeah, Kaufman. He's handsome. I will give him that.
0: He looks like he if um,
1: he's Looks like if Enrico Pucci from uh, JoJo had like an ac- uh, actual decent haircut. <laughs> he's like tall, dark, and handsome, and like I think was it at first sight that he falls for her. Um, he just notices like how confident she is. And he's just like, oh wow, I love that in a woman.
0: <laughs> that is essentially what happens. Um, so, in the course of Grandu Kaufman's story, um, he sees how Sobyeshu brings Rashta into the kingdom, and the way that he interacts with Navier, and he knows, like, from the way that the rulers in his own kingdom are, uh, because Grandu Kaufman is from a different kingdom than Navier and Sobyeshu that they're not in love. This is, he thinks that this marriage of convenience that isn't based on any sort of love is so strange that he gifts the Empress anonymously a love potion for her birthday. And it was a potion that he made. He was the top student at the Magic Academy at one point, so it's extra potent because he's an extra good student. And um, he, she questions the efficacy of it. And he's like, "Oh, I'll test it right here. I'll show you how effective it is." And it uh, it takes a bit of a turn. He, it, it's a very effective potion. That's that's to say the least. But it turns out later that it's supposedly more potent because he already had feelings for her before he even took it. But no matter how many antidotes this man takes throughout the series, he cannot (laughs) rid himself of these feelings. And I feel so so bad for him. I feel so bad for him throughout the whole thing. But he's also adorable at the same time. But I didn't like his plotting with someone we'll get into later. um, The former Empress or Queen of the Western Empire, Krista. But I'm sure we'll get into that later.
1: Yeah. Honestly, he's so, he has his moments where he's like, okay, you went a little too far. But like, besides that, he's really endearing. I really appreciate the fact that like, he sees how underappreciated Navier is and like, tells her, and he's like, you know, if it were me, because I'm built different, I would treasure you. <laughs> and I really respect that. Like, uh, especially because Navier is the type of person who really needs to hear that because... She's gone her whole life just working and not really getting praise for it. Um, Just doing what's expected of her and not expecting anything in return. Uh, Which, women, if you're out there, I see you and I respect you and I love you. And I need you to know that everything you're doing is great and perfect and you're doing a great job and you're appreciated because not enough people hear that. But yeah, (laughs) I, I love how Duke Kaufman is just like... He's basically a simp. And, you know, sometimes, sometimes you need that in a fantasy romance.
0: I honestly think that if Navier hadn't gone with Heinrich like for a remarriage, that she might have at least considered going with Grand Duke Kaufman. And I feel like he would have proposed to her if he thought that that option was available as well.
1: Oh, for sure, for sure. Especially, like, if uh, the divorce happened and Heinrich wasn't in the picture, he would jump. He would, like... I do not object to this marriage. Uh, Navier, would you like to come into my office? (laughs) Oh, my God.
0: I feel like even if he hadn't, like, remarried her, he would have at least brought her home with him, and they would have started something. Because she did seem, like, at least uh, humored or interested in his advances a couple times as well. Um, Right. Or at least enough to entertain the thought, but not really explore it, so...
1: Yeah, I think she could get the vibe that he's at least twice as competent or like at a level of competency that is what a Soviet issue does not have. So she would have definitely considered it.
0: I do like that they have a much more intellectual rapport that way. Uh, oh, that yeah. They're trying to arrange the trade. I don't know what goods it's supposed to be, but international trade between the different kingdoms that hasn't really been done yet or if it has yeah. a, a really high price. Um, so I'm. Oh, oh,
1: wait. I'm sorry. The, the, I, I just remembered. They're doing those negotiations now, but for the Western Empire, right? They, they so are. Those talks completely fell through for the Eastern Empire, right? Yes,
0: because Grand Duke Kaufman punched Sovietshu in the face.
1: <laughs> yes, I remember now. I was like, oh yes, you're just desserts, because like that's so satisfying seeing that like the repercussions for his actions come immediately, like. Oh man.
0: Oh, man, yeah. Uh, Okay. (laughs) But see, at the same time, because of the the incident I mentioned earlier with Krista that he's also guilty of, I think he's complicating the situation for the Western Empire as well. Um, That is true. It sounds like they're still going to move forward with it, but he did definitely make things a lot harder Mm -hmm. for both Navier and Heinrich and their social standing as a a new couple in the kingdom. Or new rulers. Yeah.
1: Uh, so let me ask you this uh at one point do you felt you were more engaged was it like season one season two or right now
0: i think i was more engaged as soon as i found out that Heinrich was queen okay because yeah just that one that magic element that i was telling you about um but really just seeing navier let herself feel mm-hmm. when she's with queen And the way that she has that normal cold exterior that people come to expect from her as like a fair and just ruler. When she's with Queen and she doesn't know it's Heinrich at that point, that she can just let herself go. She can allow herself to cry and feel things that she feels with such Mm -hmm. intensity or honesty that it's a lot, it's more refreshing to see her be herself.
1: Yeah. Honestly, it's kind of liberating seeing that. Cause, um, like I said earlier, like she does, she expects nothing from anyone. Uh, She just does what is expected of her and seeing her express vulnerability is like, it's really cliche cause, um, she's like the strong woman who is like super competent and everything, but she's also serious. But then, you know, that gap between like being super serious and then when you finally get to see them express vulnerability, that's what makes it more charming, um, it, it's cliche, but it works because, like, there are actual people like that. And when you come to, like, appreciate what those kind of people do without making, like, such a big show of it, you really want them to be able to, like, express what they want or what they feel and, you know, like, be happy. So when whenever she has those moments with Queen, it's, yeah, it's refreshing because it's something that she's desperately needed and she's getting what she's getting to do what she had to or what she needed emotionally.
0: Well, even more so that from her perspective, she doesn't know that queen is Heinrich. And so Mm. she can be so much more honest with a bird in her eyes than even with her own handmaids, because her handmaids can be pressured to tell the truth, whether it's by Soviet shoe or, maybe rushed it, but other other influences can force things out of them. A bird's right. not going to talk back to you. It's going to squawk.
1: <laughs> so, right, a bird doesn't have to deal with politics.
0: Exactly. But, yeah. I mean, I liked it. What What was the part that really got you hooked into it?
1: Um. Okay, so I would say, like, I was hooked around that time, but when I felt, like, the most absorbed into the story was actually during, like, the courting process where... Henry was just, like, he's like, oh, I got the green light. All right, I'm just going to, like, I'm just going to hit on you until <laughs> you tell me to stop. <laughs> and just, it, like, him flirting constantly, I love that, because um, whenever, like, no, Navier, like, uh, welcomes it, I love it because a lot of times when Henry get, gets, like, bashful or whatever, she's just, like, she eggs him on and, like, gets closer and shit. And it's, it's really cute. I love that dynamic when the, the confident one, starts getting like more nervous or whatever and it really plays into that that dynamic where like oh yeah he's he is younger and like something about the idea where like the female lead is older is uh i don't really see it that often and i think it's cool because like yeah like older women need love too
0: (laughs) i yeah i definitely love their witty banter and flirty banter back and forth with each other it's, yeah. it's definitely very eye-catching, even just in written notes. Um, it, mm, it was an adorable yeah, yeah. thing, when like he's... tying to Queen's ankle.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's so funny that, like, they send each other, um, like, notes, but <laughs> she doesn't realize that the bird is the one actually writing the notes. This is so funny.
0: <laughs> it is adorable. And then when... Um, so Heinrich has a an assistant to him as well in his kingdom named McKenna and McKenna is also from the bird brain clan um, and can turn into a bluebird. and so when McKenna gets forced to shuffle back and forth as well that is also pretty funny because he has a very different perspective he's not happy to just cuddle up with Navier he's like no just give me the note so I can leave again I don't want anything to do right. with this isn't he like
1: married he's like I'm a married man don't do this to me
0: <laughs> I think so it, it was definitely very amusing <laughs> oh man let's see who else have we yet to talk to oh Rashta has a secret
1: oh my god yeah so she had a secret child outside before because actually hold on she's not only a commoner she's actually like a a former slave
0: a runaway slave with a a child named Ian that she thought was dead but is not And actually, that's the part where I felt kind of, like, the briefest bit, like, feeling bad for her is when she, like, didn't know that her child was actually alive. That was pretty messed up. Um, Yeah. But she still found a way to be horrible. So, God.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's like she really, like, absorbed the worst parts of noble society as she was, like, trying to learn how to integrate. Because, so, the family that she was actually a slave to was this... Was it a Baron or like a? I don't remember who. But Viscount Loteshu. Okay, L- Loteshu. So basically, like he bought her as a slave, and like the child, I believe, belongs to her, her, his son, right? The one who's like supposed to uh become the heir to the Viscounty.
0: Yeah. Alan. And
1: so after that happens, like uh, her pregnancy isn't is like discovered. They threaten her and, like, they basically assure her that, like, oh, this child is illegitimate. There's no way in hell that we're going to leave it alive because it'll be a threat to, like, our family or whatever. But then after it's born, they actually, like, they hide it, I think, right? And then they they keep it a secret from her. And she has no idea. She goes through grief and, like, yeah, like the rest of her life happens. And this whole thing is just, like, in the back burner to be kept as blackmail. And, like, what?
0: I think it's even worse that they give her oh, okay. like a an actual dead child in her hand to show her that it's dead. That's so much that. worse.
1: Oh my god! Yeah, I forgot about that. That was like I read this like a year ago.
0: Yeah, so she actually
1: she thought she held her dead child. Jesus, that was, that's really like that's
0: really dark. That was an extremely dark moment, and that's why I actually like felt bad for her for an episode maybe. <laughs> Unfortunately.
1: Oh my god. But yeah, this Viscount is evil, basically. And she, Rashta, ends up using, I don't know, I would say (laughs) unconsciously kind of uses him as, like, a role model because when it comes to securing her place in the palace after, and, like, leading up to Navier's divorce, uh, she basically schemes and, like, tries to get people on her side using like blackmail and, and threats and like, yeah, just like all around very unpleasant things.
0: So another character that is also reoccurring that has a little bit to do with this situation as well is uh, Navier's brother, Kosair. He Mm. is also a pretty interesting and at times violent character. Uh, So there's a lot of rumors that happen or that are spread about Kosair throughout the series. Some of them are true. Some of them aren't. But yeah, he definitely th- knows how to get information out of people. I can say that.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I think a lot of the rumors just have to do with, like, keeping their family in check. Because they're so influential. And so, they're so storied and rich and, like, uh, necessary for the kingdom or the the empire that, like, they basically over time built a lot of enemies and people who are like jealous of them. So it's mostly a ploy to keep their family in check. Um the brother himself is like actually like a pretty nice person. Even if he's he's violent because uh he's kind of like I think isn't he like a battle addict or something? Like he he loves like um he loves fighting or whatever. Uh yeah. he he goes up He rounds up these bandits like 50 times a year or something.
0: The bandits are like so scared of him that they like withdraw when they find out he's there now. (laughs) It's so funny. But like, I like that now that Navier is in the the Western Kingdom instead of the Eastern Kingdom, uh, Kosair, who's been brought there, he is like thriving in the Western Kingdom. Everybody loves him. And it's such a flip Mm -hmm. based off of how it was in the Eastern Kingdom for his, just his abilities and his daily life.
1: Yeah, I, I like the fact that he follows her to his... the Western Empire after she gets married there, or she gets engaged to Heinrich and moves. He's just like, yeah, sis, uh, you made the right choice because this guy's a piece of shit.
0: I feel like <laughs> at some point, Kosair should have used the term Soviet shit because he absolutely would have embraced honestly, that.
1: I wonder <laughs> if they, they use that word in Korean for the comments. <laughs> I hope they do. I hope they have some variant of that.
0: I feel like they if have you're to. A Korean listener,
1: if, <laughs> if you're a Korean listener, please let me know.
0: <laughs> Give us a translation if it's actually in there. We need to know.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. Korean comment section must go crazy. <laughs> oh, my gosh.
0: And, well, now that we're talking a little bit more about the Western Empire, um, there's another character that we haven't mentioned yet beyond very briefest moments, and that's Krista, who is the former queen of the Western Empire. Um, Mm-hmm. I thought she was
1: a, uh, wasn't she Heinrich's brother's wife?
0: Yes. Um. So Krista initially had like a crush on Heinrich when they were younger, like teenagers. Um. But then she got married off to Heinrich's brother, and she just sort of ish pretended to get over it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but so Krista, when you first meet her, she seems really nice and like she's not going to cause trouble. But that quickly shifts as it's a political drama. There's going to be a lot of scheming no matter how nice you are. And that quickly evolves in Krista's case, including the scene that I mentioned with uh, Grand Duke Kaufman. He got Krista to appear in a room and give Heinrich this like drink that he laced with his love potion in a small amount. And so Heinrich was seen laying in her lap one night. And that, of course, like he had just married Navier at that point. So let's make this a little more of a stable marriage. But no, we're going to disrupt it a little bit just so it's not a happy, perfect picture.
1: Yeah. That was a crazy direction to go in because I thought at this point that Duke Kaufman would have just like accepted the fact that, like, um, yeah, Navier chose him and like she'll do whatever is in her best interest so that she can be happy. But like, no, you know what? Time for chaos. Uh, he lets himself be kind of tempted by Krista and like it's disappointing but also I think it's I think it's really funny because it also led to a moment where he kind of just like completely ignores Rashta when she's at the banquet and it just leads to her like melting down he's like
0: why does he ignore me but he still treats me fear so well ah!
1: and I'm like Yes, bitch. <laughs> like mauled harder. <laughs> Cope. <laughs>
0: oh I love the, the way that Heinrich just com- has complete disregard consistently for Rashta throughout the entire series. There's never really one point other than when he pretends that the his pen pal is her that he's like friendly with her at all other than that very brief like episode the rest of the time he just wants nothing to do with her and sees her as a horrible person that's just making not life worse
1: yep and he's just like uh <laughs> the, the, his like attitude or whatever is just like all rash says do not interact <laughs> like <laughs> completely just like nope
0: absolutely gives her the face palm or hand to face just talk to the hand whatever um yep But, I mean, I love, throughout the series, I think what's so compelling about Heinrich is his confidence. This guy is 19, whereas Navier is, like, 27 or something like that. He declares himself an emperor the day of his wedding, and he's so confident in everything he does. But he's also such a lovesick puppy for Navier, and it's absolutely adorable every step of the way.
1: Yeah, I really appreciate the fact that, like you said, he's confident, but also just he doesn't completely shy away from his age. Um, yeah, he feels love. Yeah. He's going to go through it uh, and he, he's going to experience his emotions. And I think that's also something that I think is starting to rub off on Navier a bit, which I appreciate. Um, the fact that she's back to her back on her bullshit Um but yeah, like allowing Navier to like experience more of her feelings and like being open about it while she's like being her hyper competent self is really nice. Especially like allowing her to banter more and like like exploring like the way that she connects with Heinrich because these more recent chapters, uh, she starts thinking about like the fact that like yeah, I know that Heinrich would never cheat on me because he's been so upfront and so um, there for me like every step of the way. That, like, I know it was a ploy. Um, but also, yeah, he thought I was McKenna and said I was too heavy. So I'm going to bully him a little bit. And, like, I I love that. That was so funny. And Henry is just, like, he is so demoralized for, like, the next week or whatever. Because she's just, like, not really talking to him. She doesn't go to their bedchambers. She stays in her office to work. And he's just like, what did I do? What did I do? He didn't realize that... I think until McKenna came into the room uh, when she left that, like, he's like, oh, I called her fat. Shit, I have to apologize, but she doesn't give him the light of day. It's it's so cute. It's so funny. And, like, it's not toxic because that kind of behavior is so easy to, like, misconstrue and, like, be playful but then come off as, like, completely manipulative. Uh, But that's totally not the case here. Here is just them, like, having a little, I wouldn't even call it a spat. It's just kind of silly married couple shit.
0: I definitely think that they are a lot more open and honest with each other and in a more growing to love relationship, especially now that Navier knows that Heinrich is Queen. I feel like she recognized all the the things that she deemed embarrassing that she did with Queen, that she just kind of had to come to terms with it and realize that <laughs> this is my husband now. <laughs> and she really seems to have embraced it in the most recent episodes.
1: Definitely. And I appreciate that because then, like what I was saying earlier, like um, that kind of like emotional vulnerability is what she really needed to, I guess, like grow more as a person. Because yeah, she's like she's a grown up, and you know, she's older, and she's responsible, and she knows how to be an adult. But in terms of like, uh, like her capacity for being like a like a real human, like she's not gonna go through the same things that she did with Sylvia Shu because of the fact that like sh- she is being more open about how she feels. And I think that's great. It turned out for the better that she wasn't honest with Sylvia or not honest, but like, she wasn't like uh, wearing her emotions on her sleeve because he didn't deserve it anyway. Am I right, ladies?
0: Absolutely right. And actually speaking of that, um, I think there's a, a really important scene that we need to talk about. And this is a big spoiler for anybody that doesn't, want that yet <laughs> um so sylvia Xu and his honesty or lack thereof is a big problem um so when he goes to the high priest to demand a divorce he has to give a list of reasons why he will divorce his empress
1: oh fuck i forgot about this
0: yes and one of them is her supposed um inability to bear a child
1: and her he, infertility.
0: yeah, her infertility, and so he then goes into this long story with the high priest about how when they were children they ate these cookies, and it turns out that these cookies were laced with some sort of medieval ingredient, ingredient to cause an abortion. And, uh, yeah, he's fine apparently because he bared a child. But he's convinced that because they have been trying to conceive a child for years and it never happened that she must be infertile. Honestly, I think it could be a lot of stress because of how horrible their relationship is. I would want his child anyways. (laughs) Um, But The body knows. Yeah, but the fact that he kept that from her, that possibility their entire lives. Yeah, since they were children, it is a huge betrayal. And she still doesn't know. Like, that is an absolutely horrible thing. One, that those cookies even existed first, mm-hmm. and second, that she ate them, he lied about it, and didn't tell her all these times.
1: Oh my god, yeah. I completely forgot about that. And when it came up, I was, swear to god, I, was, I, I think that was my first comment, and I was like, there's no fucking way this piece of shit like did this, and I was, was like, cussing up a storm because I'm like, how is this character real? How is he such a evil oh my god
0: there were several things building up before that scene where i'm like okay he can be the tiniest bit redeemable if he does xyz but as soon as that, was that the, story that was came out point. that was it he's cut off i have zero interest in him as a character existing there's, anymore yeah, beyond being a villain
1: zero redemption opportunity for redemption like that was the line that was crossed that like there's no way
0: there's no turning back from that. It was the absolute, one of the worst things you could do to a person.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh my God. And the fact that she like, she still doesn't know, right?
0: She does not know. I uh, mean, he like, no. he listed infertility as a, one of the reasons for the divorce. And that was read publicly out loud to a giant crowd because their divorce proceedings have to be in front of an entire church or a uh, court. The yeah. Courts. They have
1: need of public witnesses.
0: Yeah. Um, which she, of course, publicly denies as well. But at that point, like they're just going off of they've been together for, I'd say, at least I mean, as adults, at least a decade or so of trying, I'm guessing um, that they don't really have like a whole lot to really deny that either.
1: Right. So that's that's her public image completely changed.
0: Yeah. but I am interested to see how that comes up again, um, if she finds out about those cookies. And that past, I feel like that's something. Sylvia so yeah, should is that in such a state of being demented now, and like throwing everything he can at trying to get her back after he ruined oh everything. God. That he might so just spill, like spill the whole thing, and make I wouldn't it be surprised even if worse.
1: <laughs> right. Oh my God. Is there anything else you wanted to touch on?
0: Yeah, Um. one other thing I wanted to say is that I really liked the world building. It is smaller in this series, but that's something that I appreciate in certain fantasy series when they take the time to kind of map out the world. Um, there wasn't any real detailed maps per se throughout the series, but especially when they were talking about the trade, they made it more clear about how the different kingdoms and the travel times to get between these kingdoms were that it was it was an interesting world building facet and even just talking about trade that's something that i get really interested in about about in fantasy series
1: yeah i appreciate that too especially because it feels it makes the world feel more lived in and having like geographical like locations and like places of interest like adding like time to it as a as like a factor to make it more believable and also more realistic i think is cool
0: I don't think this series did it, but I also like it when they even like introduce their own currency system and explain it. Um, It was pretty fun, but I don't think they did that quite per se in this one, or if they did, it was very briefly.
1: Right. I don't think they talked about the currency.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, was there anything else that you wanted to touch on about the remarried empress that we didn't get to other than just how awesome it is and that everyone should read it right away?
1: Um, um, off the top of my head, Honestly, not that much. I think we touched most of the the bases. Uh, I will say that, like, again, something that I really enjoy about this series is, like, the art does a great job of showing expressions. And I feel like that's a staple in order to have uh, something like that in, like, a romance fantasy. Because whenever some crazy shit happens, you need to have, like, the reaction shots from a real crowd. And also, uh, when it comes to, like, the fashion... I think that they did a really good job of making everything look regal, but not, like, over-designed. You know what I mean? Like, sometimes I feel like a lot of the fashion in romance fantasy can be really tacky, but this one had a lot of... It felt more distinguished, or, like, um, it felt fancy without, like, being overly gaudy, for lack of a better word.
0: With the exception of Rashtha's wedding dress, but that was by her choice
1: yeah <laughs> that was on purpose
0: and everyone's all turned out. jesus
1: god oh you know what's funny when uh, <laughs> this girl the child who went to the, the magic school academy that sovietu ends up taking her into the palace for whatever reason for like a political ploy and everyone is assuming that that's his next mistress and no one really knows the reason because he hasn't made it public or anything but like She's kind of thinking the same thing too and she uses that to her advantage so that when she first meets Rashta, she calls her sister the same way that Rashta did to Navir and I'm just like, Oh, that's your justice asserts right there.
0: That was so funny. And actually that reminds me, the one thing we didn't mention is the the crisis that's happening in the kingdom or across the kingdoms of mages losing their powers. They haven't really got mm-hmm. into that much yet, but she is one of the studi- or one of the people or mages that is losing their powers. But when Navier goes to the Western Kingdom, she mentions this, and um, McKenna actually brings her a amulet to restore her powers little by little. And I wonder, like, I want to know what is causing this mage crisis. Is it a certain kingdom or certain ploy? And there's just so much that's not answered about that yet. And I want to know yeah, more yeah. about that kind of, like, mage warfare that they're hinting at.
1: Do you have any predictions you want to make? or?
0: I mean, they made it very clear that the Eastern Empire has a big army of mages and that mages are kind of the driving force in wars between kingdoms and empires. So I feel like it's got to be... And if the Western Empire has a way to restore magic, there has to be somebody working behind the scenes to fight mages on each side.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, my prediction is going to be that... Um, oh man, what's his name? Duke Erky. I feel like he's probably behind it somehow, or like he's involved, and it's either with the Western Empire or maybe maybe an outside force. But basically, it's to like cripple their military, basically.
0: Yeah, I can and see that. A, a, we don't know enough about, about him like. Yet.
1: I don't. Yeah, exactly. Like, it would be a perfect time to just like slap in like, oh yeah, tragic backstory because of the the Empire, and he's just like backstabbing them, and I'm just like. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I feel like that the solution being, like, those amulets or whatever um, that the Western Empire does have access to, I feel like that might also come into play. Like, maybe it's, like, something that was, like, very common, but because the Birdbrain clan is, like, not so, like, loved or respected outside of their, their side of the continent, everyone else lost access to. So, it would be, like, karma, basically, for them. I feel like that's uh, that's my... From all the stories that I've read, I feel like that's the direction it might go.
0: Yeah, I mean, that makes sense to me. I, I'm definitely interested to see where it goes. And I do think Duke Ergi is definitely up to more than we currently know. And they've mm-hmm. definitely got to explain what is going on with him at some point. Totally. Okay, well, I love this conversation we've had about the ruin Empress. I'm really excited to keep reading it. I absolutely adored it, as you can tell by how quickly I read it. <laughs> um, but that's
1: the best feeling. When, yes. I get, when I recommend to so someone and they just blaze through it and they're like, oh yeah, I love it. Like,
0: the yeah. satisfaction. I hope that one of these days I'll be able to recommend something to you and you'll burn through it just as quickly.
1: Oh, I don't I have no doubt. It'll happen. <laughs>
0: um, but so before we wrap up, uh, we have our rating scale. I hope that those of you who are listening have heard some of our other episodes where we talk about it. We have a three-point rating scale. So it is a Bibim Flop. A Jajang mid or a Bulgoki. And unlike the boxer, where I was a little iffy and turned it into steak terms instead uh, for the remarried (laughs) empress, I will absolutely agree with a Bulgoki for this one.
1: Good. I'm in the same boat. This is a Bulgoki. This is about uh, among those like fantasy romances that I feel they've been, this series I feel like has been out for a while. It's something that's probably more recognized readily than maybe other series. Um, like, yeah, it's, like, 140-something chapters, but, like, that's including breaks in se- in between seasons, so it's been a couple of years since it's been out. And it's also, like, one of the first print titles that Ice Press picked up, so, like, I'm sure more people are aware of it than maybe some others. So, and, yeah, I feel like that's a perfectly good reason to also, like, pick it up for, for like, being one of those first titles for print. Like, it's definitely deserving. Um, this is making me think of, like, should we read my gently raised beast next because that's also like it's like up there too, but we we'll, maybe we'll for
0: that. maybe for our next romance I, we got a couple we got a, like another month or so to think about it so.
1: right 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 right, yeah, I, that's what I meant like for our next romance <laughs> yeah.
0: maybe, i maybe. I definitely agree that it's it's definitely getting a lot more attention as one of the first titles from Ice press, and it's it seems to be getting a lot of hype like through any sort of public media and on social media that I've seen about it. Um, mm-hmm. I hope that people really are connecting with it. And if they haven't read it, that they do after listening to this. Oh, and I'm sorry that we spoiled so many things for you, but that is the uh, podcast. No, this,
1: <laughs> um, that's that's mean, why you listened.
0: It <laughs> gives you something to look forward to. So Yeah, that's true. And oh, I, you
1: know, I, I, I forgot. Last year, New York Comic Con, uh, like the Korean... I forgot, it's called COCA, it's K-O-C-C-A or whatever. But they're like an organization that does like promotional activities for like Korean media. And they also have like, um, they have like investments in like manhwa and like uh, bringing stuff overseas and stuff. And like comics are part of it, basically. They, they had like a booth with like all these different Korean publishers for manhwa. And one of the series they were promoting was actually Remarried Empress and i actually took a selfie with someone who was cosplaying navier as part of their like their booth or whatever and i also took a picture <laughs> of like they have like these cutouts where you can like put your face in and amongst like some of the characters in the different series they have and i i have a selfie where i'm standing next to henry and i'm like in i'm navier's face and i'm posing and i'm just like this <laughs> with the duck face <laughs> I'm actually using that for like these dating apps, because trying to find a. Date. That's
0: wonderful. I would also be stealing Navier's face just to be with Heinrich. Uh, I <laughs> actually that reminds me. I so I don't know if I've told you. I occasionally do cosplay, very amateurly, but I enjoy it. Um, that's something that I'm really excited about as Monwa gets more and more mainstream is to see these, oh, yeah. these cosplays. And I think this year you might see some more solo leveling, especially. Um oh, yeah, the with that new out. trailer that just came out, um, out of Anaplex Fest or whatever it is that's going on right now. And they're doing a lot of soul leveling promotion at New York Comic Con this year. I am really hoping that we see some interesting things in the next the next year or so at cons to pop up out of these different manwa series because Definitely. we're here for it.
1: Yeah. I mean Raeliana got animated. We should get remarried Empress eventually, right? Hopefully.
0: I would hope so. I I feel like it's, it's definitely worthy of an adaptation for sure. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you everyone for tuning in with us today. Next time we're going to read in episode five, uh, the omniscient reader, which is connected to, or at least in the same author as the world after the fall, which was put out by eyes press. Um, so I'm hmm. really excited to dig into that. I don't know anything about it. I think Marion also said that he has not read any of it. So yeah. we're going to both be real fresh a, it. I think the the full
1: title is like Omniscient Reader's Viewpoint or something. But, I, know. Uh,
0: I added it to my got... webtoon with a capital W app last night. And um, it just had the Omniscient Reader. So I wasn't 100% sure oh, okay, okay. if there is like oh, a title.
1: Maybe that's like the scan name. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> or I don't know. Or maybe that's like the fully translated and they just localized it as Omniscient reader. I don't if, know.
0: If that is a scan name, I'm sorry. Author, I promise I'll give you my coins. Um,
1: yeah, me too. I literally, I have the app open. I have to, <laughs> I'm just, just wait until Friday, okay? When I get paid. You'll, Pay you'll are
0: important. App. It's an expensive world right now. <laughs> it is. All right, well, thank you everyone for watching. We're going to go ahead and stop it there and we'll catch you next time. So you can find us or reach out to us um, on social media. We have Twitter, Instagram, and threads at SojaManwaPod. And you can also email us with your questions, comments, suggestions, uh, recommendations, really anything you want to th- say or throw at us um, at Manwa at gmail.com. Uh, Marion, is there anything else that you want to plug before we sign out?
1: Uh, I guess you can follow me on Twitter at microwavy the E before the V. Um, I recently put out some uh, articles on Comics Beat where this was like really overdue, but I, I put up some of my anime expo coverage. Um, it just took a while because of work, and then uh, my editor was also busy, so like shit happens. But like, I, I had an interview with um, the people from North Caesar, uh, who they're like a black owned company that started uh, collaborating with Japanese companies to like create more original manga and like uh anime and like adaptations of anime or or manga that like are like black centered or black focused like um they they acquired me and the devil blues which is by akira hiromoto the guy who did prison school which is actually it's crazy that that's i have to give you the description because this is like um set in like Oh god, was it like 1960s Mississippi or some shit? And it features like a like a black jazz artist or whatever and like yeah, dude, like you don't really see manga about stuff like that and this author did it and apparently it tanked in Japan but like it, at least it got like um like a couple volumes in or whatever and like yeah, dude, it's always cool seeing artists try to uplift other voices. So, you can check that out. Uh, that interview was pretty good. It's on Comic Speed.
0: Sounds interesting. Um, I personally don't have anything to plug today, uh, but anyone who wants to reach out to me directly, other than through our social monopod uh, channels, can reach me at Bombshell on just about any social platform. So, all right. Marion, any final thoughts? Or are we good to head out for the day?
1: We are good. Uh, thanks for hosting.
0: Thanks for being here and having me. Bye, everyone. Anytime. Later.